So this episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is brought to you by Lifeline Ambulance. You an EMT, paramedic, looking for a full-time, part-time, or seasonal job? Lifeline Ambulance is looking for both. And um, they're in the Skokie and Chicago locations. Very competitive pay, benefits available. Check them out. Vision, dental, uh, go to lifeline2020.com. At the top of the page, you'll see apply for a job. I, I mean, I've worked at a private ambulance. I know you have, Corey. It's really your foundation into, you know, being a paramedic or an EMT. I can't think of anybody who's a paramedic or EMT uh, with any time on that hasn't started uh, their career as a, you know, working for a private. It's just kind of part of the process. So, you know, it really builds the foundation of your EMS career. You know, everybody uh, has their stories of, you know, working for a private and Lifeline Ambulance isn't your typical private ambulance service. Uh, these guys really are more like a family. They have competitive rates. They're looking for full-time, part-time, EMTs, paramedics, like you said. So uh, give the, uh, yeah, go apply lifeline2020.com. What else, Corey? Yeah, you said it, Vince. I mean, I, I definitely, I know... You don't use a stair chair, but I learned everything I know about a stair chair from working the private. So that's that's where you're gonna get to get your start. And unlike Corey, um, I use a stretcher uh, to convey properly my patients. So uh, you'll get to learn those skills too. Now, uh, in all seriousness, uh, Lifeline2020.com. Uh, this episode sponsored by Lifeline Ambulance Service. Thank you. Check him out. In one, engine four, truck two, truck ten, ambulance 82, battalion two, fire 1020 North Main, help is on the way. All right, Tommy, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good. So welcome to Chicago's Bravest Stories. Uh, we want, kind of wanted to change things up here, and we have with us uh, Tom Goretti, who uh, spent 35 years? 35 half, years yeah. in the alarm office dispatching. Uh, I know you dispatched uh, us on fire. We, did you dispatch CPD as well? No, just, just fire just and fire, EMS. Fire and EMS for yeah. 35 years, huh, Tommy? Yes, and uh, you just recently retired. I started so, out as a call taker, uh, answering phones for four or five years, and then uh, there's a promotion. You take a promotion, take a test for a dispatcher, and uh, so kind of tell people and move right up in there. If you move the whole stand, I mean, you can still sit where you are. Just move that microphone there. So some people don't understand the whole process of what happens when somebody makes a 911 call. So, so kind of walk us through that process and how it winds up getting to the people that you're sending out. So when you call 911, it goes on the police side. They answer all the 911 calls for the city of Chicago. So they may answer, you know, 12 to 15,000 calls a day, you know, because uh, they, for, you know, everything, open hydrants and, you know, cats stuck in a tree, whatever. And then if they get a call for a fire or an EMS call, they fast forwarded to us and they stay in line with us and they listen to what we need in case, you know, anywhere from a gunshot to a accident to a fire to, you know, anything that we get, 
we have a flip card system um, that we follow on EMS calls, and they all, call together to ask proper questions. And then if it's a fire call, we get to get the information, get an address, and get somebody going. And then on a second call, uh, the dispatcher might say, the fireman on the way, what do you see burning? Or, you know, and they might say there's two buildings burning, and they might say somebody's trapped in the building, and then we tell, the call there would tell a dispatcher that they're trapped, and then they would give them an extra alarm, you know, give them, a box they would ask for a you know we would box a fire or if there's a big accident they the office might make a plan one out of it you know and but the police get the first call and then we get we subsequently they shoot it, they send it to us and then they uh we answer the call and uh they the tall terror sends it to dispatcher and then dispatcher comes up and there's a we have a CAD system now so it's a computer aided dispatch center um so it brings up the map and um does it show you who is available right around that particular Right, it shows you, it, it recommends who you, who you to, to send, but then it also at the GPS, they might have, a, they might show on the bottom, they might show on the top, um, close, you know, the company it belongs to, but then they might somebody, might be closer coming from the shops or something, yeah. and they might send them closer because they're a little closer to... Uh, so you're always trying to get the closest Our job is get the closest piece of apparatus to the scene, right? Okay. In a, in a good amount of time. Okay. So... I imagine that things have changed a little bit since when you first started. You know, you talked about, like, now we have the computer-aided dispatch. Oh, yeah. What was, what was different from when you started? Like, how, how were things dispatched? Cause well, we had amplifier, amplified systems. We had main at City Hall, room 607, and that was uh, the main. So, and then Inglewood was at 63rd and Wentworth off the, off the Dan Ryan, right across from St. Bernard's Hospital. So there Hospital. were two separate, completely separate from each other. Right, main and Inglewood. So... It used to be 39th Street before I started across, straight across with anything north of 39th would be Maine, anything south of 39th would be Inglewood, but then they made it the Sanitary Shipping Canal, which is, if you look at a map, it runs on an angle. So it's about 31st and like Pulaski over that way. Okay. So, they, so anything north of the Shipping Canal is Maine, which is 31st to Howard on the north, and then all the way 31st to 130. A Street on the south, and then to the lakefront, and then different parts out west of the city limits, you know, how far okay. west we go. Well, it's kind of been um, put in our heads throughout the years that CERMAC was the dividing line between north and south. Correct. That's for, that's for uh, Maine and Inglewood is CERMAC, but it then it actually is a, sh a sanitary shipping canal. But basically, if it's anything south of CERMAC goes to Inglewood, anything north of CERMAC goes to, for, you know, calls. Okay. So you had so back when you started, the South Side had nothing. Didn't really know what the North Side was doing, and vice versa. Oh no, right? we had we had communication all the time with through an amplified system. Okay, so, so was, you just heard them over a speaker what they right, were doing. Right, it was a, it was a hard wire system that ran through the city of Chicago, and it's just an amplified system. And we, you'd open a uh, open a little button, and you'd be talking to a firehouse, you know. Right. Oh, you could talk directly to the firehouse. Correct, yes. Okay. Right. And then also we'd open a speak a uh, little button and we could talk to Englewood back and forth. We had a direct line to him to talk to him, you know. So we were always in communication because if we get a fire that's on the borderline, we'd, sometimes we'd use Englewood companies, sometimes we'd use maze companies, and then they, we would, you know, communicate from there. So if... If you were sending a particular firehouse to an incident, let's say you were sending a firehouse to a fire, you would just connect straight to them and just tell them over a speaker, hey, you, know, you guys have a fire. Right, correct. So we'd open 
usually three or four speakers at a time and say, you know, for your instance, where you're at, you know, Halloween, 44 in the truck and then 95 in the truck and the buggy. And then they would answer in, in you know, when it was their turn, hello, 44 in the truck. And then they close the speaker and then answer 95, you got it. And then they, they would, you know, you have to pay attention. And then they'd have to, back in the day before I started, they used to have a telegraph system, obviously. Right. And they used to still have a chief and you had to pay attention, you know. So you kind of had to pay attention when you're on so watch. So you had to get all those still companies. Then right. you had to get the chief. Right. And you, you had to do all that separately. Correct. And wow, that's that's crazy. Did during that whole part of that time, did you have to sit down? Did you have a pat, like a pad of paper and a pen? Like how how was? No, it was just a, it was just a tab. You write the address on a tab, and then you would send the companies. And then um, when they came home, they sent the returns in. So. Uh, we had a Joker. We had, we had its, you know, Joker system uh, where they send the returns in. You know, so they every so the engines were the engines. The trucks were three. You know, so it'd be like truck thirty six would be three four six. You know. Okay. So it'd be you know. So I mean, be, and then the uh, Chiefs were two. So battalion one would be two three one. So it just was signatures. Okay. Um, they just kind of. And how were those were sent in over the telegraph? Yes. Okay, yes. so you had to listen, and you had to listen, like deciphering the telegraph, right? To to put these guys back in court. So as you see, a lot of times people put when somebody passed away, they put three three five. That was returned to quarters. Right. So they would hit three three five, and then their signature, and then we would time them off the ticket and put it away. Interesting. I, I don't think a lot of people realize that, and what those uh, those numbers signify. Right, exactly. Um, so you started what year, Tommy? 1985. 1985. Of June. Um, and how, how did you get involved? Like, what made you, like, you know, start your career in this? Well, my, my dad was a retired uh, deputy fire commissioner. My, my brother was a retired uh, field chief. Uh, my other brother was a retired lieutenant. And then I have one brother left who's a lieutenant, so... Kind of a family tradition. <laughs> and now my son is going to the, in, into the fire service as well. Yeah. Um, he just finished uh, Academy at Romeoville, and then he'll be going to uh, get, he has to take two more tests, a hazmat and a safety, driving safety class, and then he'll be going out to Marionette Park and a couple of suburbs get his feet wet. And then yeah. I think next year or the year after, he's going to test in Chicago, and hopefully – if he gets on Chicago, uh, we can find my dad's badge and have my dad give it to him, God willing, you know. Yeah, that'd be that'd be amazing. Yeah, it'd be a third generation for my family for, you know, because yeah. my brother John, my brother Bob always carried my uh, my dad's badge as a fireman. And if I could find it, you just kind of, sometimes you find it and you ask a guy yeah. if he's willing to give it up for, you know, for such, you know, for this. Right, well, ex- explain that. Uh, a lot of people don't, don't understand that, that whole process. So you're... Like if your family was on the job prior to you, somebody else on the job may wind up with his badge. Correct. We, right. we return our badges if it's available, or yeah. if the guy's not willing to give it up. I mean, yeah. If, you but, know, or... but you can track down the guy who has that number, who has you know maybe your your father's badge, your brother's badge, or whatever. Correct. And when you come on, you may ask him to borrow that badge so that you can pin it. Right. And, you know, wear that badge symbolically. Right, um, exactly. So, and that's an amazing thing. And um, 
you know, it, I know the on the police side, that's a that's a big deal. They're pinning, and um, it's kind of you don't see too much of that now uh, on our side. With uh, it was like a a big like uh, like a big tradition for you know uh, family members to pin each other. Well, they just had a graduation uh, from the academy, right. um, and due to COVID, yeah, obviously people couldn't go. Um, to, you know, due to COVID nineteen. And a couple of friends, a friend of mine, his daughter started, and I called him yesterday and talked to him about it, and he said they couldn't make it, but they're going to have a little celebration. But, yeah, they, it's, you know, COVID has changed a lot of things in the fire, and in, in everything, you know, it's changed the world, actually. Yeah. Did you see the the group of paramedics who graduated, and they all had to, like, come in separately, or they're standing all six feet away? I did, and yeah, I did. And it was silent? Yeah, I did see that. It was yes. crazy, right? Yeah, it's crazy. It was so, so weird, because we make... You know, our graduation says they should be like real celebrations. Right, you know, we, exactly. we go over the top and you right. go to Navy Pier or you yeah, go to Yeah, it's a big wherever. thing for your families. Yeah, and you, you know, you earned it. You deserve it. Right. Um, so it was kind of awkward to watch that, uh, you know, wearing masks, being six feet apart, just in complete silence. It was, uh, it was interesting to say the least. Um, so you uh, did... Did you have to apply? Like, uh, did you you went down to the alarm office and yeah, you just went online and applied. You had to be. Uh, I was an EMT because I went to EMT school, but is that uh, a prerequisite for? No, when, when I started, it was funny because when I started, I asked the boss. I said, "Do I need to keep my EMT license uh, current?" He said, "No, nah, we won't need that." You know, <laughs> and then a year later, we were going. We we're all going to EMT school, and now it's a job. And now it's a job requirement to be an EMT, to be a, a, a dispatcher. You know, or call taker, I should say. So call takers physically, when somebody picks up the phone and dial 911, they're talking to a call taker. But well, they get to police first, and if it's an ambulance or a fire call, they switch, so it, they, to the, switch it to our side. Then. So it goes from one call taker to another call taker? No, just one call our, taker. A call taker is just across the board. Right. Okay. Answering the phones. He answers, they answer the phone citywide. Okay. And then once they get the information, they, they put it in a computer, they send it to a the either north or south, it'll determine, you know, um, what side it goes to. And then we bring it up and it'll recommend companies to go to the location, whatever it might be. And then if there's somebody closer, like I said, with the GPS, we might send them. And then a lot of the chiefs are on the air with them on the air or like a field chief, if it's a, you know, if it's an action here, you know, something he needs to go to or something. Or, right. or if he says, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to take that one in, we put them on there and stuff. And okay. so, um, I know it, uh, you've, you know, and you were um, an actual dispatcher where you and I would talk, if I'm working that day, you and I are talking on the radio. Correct. You're, you're sending me to a run. I'm acknowledging you. Correct. And, you know, you and I are, are, are talking voice to voice. And I know that, um, you know, people listening, you know, there's probably people listening going, I know that voice. You yeah. know, I know yeah. that voice. Because it's your, it's you can't mis, you know, mistake your voice from somebody else. And no, I have there. a very distinct voice. I've been told that <laughs> many, many times, Vince. Yeah, but a very distinct voice. Uh, so let's let's talk about some of the more memorable. Like you were dispatching some of the big historical fires uh, in you know uh, within the last I don't know twenty years or so, right? Sure, sure. Um, Kind of give us, run down that history of some of the most memorable and biggest events that, that you dispatch. Because that's, that's a big deal. You know, 
you think that it's a big deal to, you know, go to these runs and you got a lot of stuff going on. Right. But what people don't realize, and this was one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, in these big events, you know, think about what you had to do on your end of that incident, you know. Correct. You, you're not, you're kind of quarterbacking this whole thing. And if you're losing your shit, it's, it's ultimately going to fall apart. So, right. um, like, kind of give us a, the, the Tom Gretty highlights. So there's, there's three – well, it's, it's a team effort for sure. It's not Tom Gretty highlights by any means. It's a team effort. You have three dispatchers on Maine, three on Inglewood. You might have an extra dispatcher. So you might have seven or eight dispatchers, and you might have seven or eight call takers and two supervisors for the whole city. So um, back in the day, we'd get, we would get a lot more fires, a lot more extra alarms. Uh, they had the, the, the fireboxes where they would, you know, the kids would hit them with a bat or something, or they'd pull, pull the box, and we'd have to go out, and they'd check it. If they want to check the box and rewind the box, and then we'd go back to the firehouse. And, you know, there was a lot of extra alarm fires, you know. Um, the Bulls parades, I worked all the Bulls parades. Is that where we get check the box from? Yes, check the box, Just correct. because it— Check and wind. Pe- People yeah. would mess it right. up, and they'd have to go out, check it, right. and rewind it just because— and Basically, the per- people who have boxes now are like institutions like hospitals and uh, nursing homes, schools, and stuff like that. They have to yeah. throw the But boxes. it was a physical box with a mechanical winding system. It was a inside. street box, correct. Yeah. And a tall red box, and then they had the police. And then years police ago— police had the blue ones. Blue ones. And yeah. then years ago, they would dial— There was two numbers. It was FI71313. And PO five one five one five was the actual direct lines to the police department before they came with, up with nine one one. Oh, okay. When I started was nine one one, but that was the but the FI seven when I started. But your predecessors had those codes. But the numbers, the number FI seven one three one three still worked when I was working when I started working. We 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 tried it, you know, just really? so you could you could dial up that number and it would go. We'd go right to the office, right? Wow, correct. It was a little red phone, you know. Your bad phone. Yeah, like I was saying, it was just like the bad phone, right? <laughs> right. You know, it was a little red phone, and then the marsh line system was a red phone throughout the firehouse when they did when they conducted business in the firehouse. They would use a marsh line. Okay, okay. Um, take us back to your your big incidences that you've you've done. What's the biggest one that that comes to mind? Biggest one? Well, the the Hawks parade with twenty ten was the biggest one. I mean, that was one of the biggest one. The Tasty Chicago every year. You know, yeah. back in the day, um, you know, it would get busy. Like I said, fires. Were a lot more prevalent now than they, and, and now it's more EMS calls. Well, that uh, the Hawks, uh, uh, we lost that event. Like there, there was a point where we just kind of circled the wagons and kind of went. Yeah, into, twenty in twenty ten when uh, when I was working that day and um, I went, I was on Maine and obviously on the radio and uh, I mean, and we started getting busy before the parade even started. It was very hot. It was, 95. It was, it was ridiculously hot. It was like 95 degrees with a heat of probably over 100. And so I told the supervisor, I said, I think we need to change a couple ambulances closer to, you know, one downtown and one maybe by off the lakefront. And you had bike teams out there too. We had the bike teams, right. And we had the ball. We had everybody out there. And so I put, uh, there was ambulance 61 who just came in service and that, you know, was for a while, but I moved them to Engine 55 South, which is a little closer to the lakefront, and then I, I put, took one south and put them Engine 13 South before they got an ambulance. Now they have an ambulance in the, in the firehouse. And we just kind of started working it, you know. It got really busy, and it got to the point, because they were, they were dispatching from out there. The, the 
paramedics were dispatching. They would send us, they would tell us where they were sending. And finally, it just got, when the bus pulled up, they rushed the bus, and I think that's when they just kind of lost a little bit of control. The, the bus with the players. Yes, correct. Yeah. And that's when it, and, that, and so I kind of went to 451, who was a field chief, and I said, listen, I'm going to take the dispatch back. I'm going to dispatch for everything, and I had great partners that day, great supervisor. Uh, you didn't get any resistance on that, did you? No, Dan O'Donnell <laughs> was behind me. Um, we, I had Mike Canning, and I had uh, Mario Cabrera, so we had some good people helping, and we just we ran, we kind of ran the whole thing, and it it kind of ran smooth, and I didn't really get up for 12 hours because it was just so busy. Yeah. You know, maybe to go to the bathroom, but then we had to, you know, you just come back and, they were just one after another, and they were looking for water, and they were looking for different. But um, and then as the years we won in thirteen and fifteen, and as the years, you know, they got better at you know needing more help because you have, you know. Well, nobody had any idea how big no, that was going to no. be. Well, you have Cub fans and you have Sox fans, but you have Blackhawk fans. That's everybody. You know, everybody likes hockey, obviously. You know, so there was a you know there was probably a million and a half people downtown. And they, like you said, it was hot. Is that what they estimated that to be? Probably somewhere along, yeah, somewhere along the lines there, yes, exactly. Uh, and then, and uh, if you see some of the, like, overhead pictures of what that looked like, I believe it. Oh, yeah. You it know? was, yeah, it was just you couldn't move. You couldn't move. That was crazy. Uh, what else? What, any super big fires that, uh, any downtown big fires that you were doing? You know, just the high-rise fires were always a big deal. Yeah. Um, you know. People trapped in the building, you know, or uh, I worked a couple where we lost a couple of firefighters. That was, you know, hard. Yeah. Uh, that was hard because. You Were know, you they, dispatching during the income stringer? Yes, I was. That was yeah. you? I was on EMS, yes. Okay. So, yeah, we, we were working that fire. That was, okay. uh, you know, back in 2010, to December 22nd, about 7.30 in the morning, they got a call for a fire. They, it was in between shifts, so they would, they were getting ready to go home and in a factory and you know all of a sudden you know that back wall collapsed and you know it, it just went chaotic but you have to like you said you have to keep your cool you know and you have to just you know basically I tell people when you when you when you're on a radio just whatever these guys ask for just you know if we can give it to them give it to them you know yeah that's what you're looking to do you know if you're looking to you, know, you have to keep everybody in order you have to make sure all your companies like people call for the shops and you know go to service and stuff and you, know, you have to fill. You have to make different change. You know, change, we might change the quarters of an engine or a truck, or even an ambulance. Sometimes not too much an ambulance, but an engine or a truck, just to cover that area, make sure everything is covered. You know, and that's a senior's decision. But again, the dispatchers and the senior, uh, as a watch, work together. Yeah, I worked for, and I worked with some great people. What during back in the, the day during the uh, Ankum Stringer, um, how did this start unfolding for you? at the alarm office. It, it, I mean, it started as a, a still? It started as a still, and it was wintertime, like obviously three days before Christmas, and I got a call for, you know, factory, and they were all in there at one time, and uh, they figured out it was vacant or whatever. They thought it was vacant. And then um, I, apparently there was a, a guy, a, you know, a homeless guy in there, and they went in to get him, and a couple companies were looking for him, and, I think that when the back wall collapsed and then, well, he asked, he, he first, you know, he was having water problems. It was cold out. So he, he, he had frozen hydrants. So he asked for the next alarm, which is the box alarm. And then, uh, we had, uh, Jimmy O'Connell in here, um, 
when we, you know, one of our early podcasts and he kind of went through the incident too. And, right. um, he was there and, you know, uh, he, you know, just how he described it. If, you know, that's something you want to listen to, you can go back. It's one of our earlier episodes, but, um, yeah, he, he kind of was like, there was so much going on right there. So I, yeah, I gets, can only imagine. The radio like, gets crazy and everybody's trying to call you to find out what's going on. And, um, you know, we just tried to, we, we, I tried to, you know, they were close enough to Lakeshore Drive going to Northwestern with the firemen, so we tried to clear a path for them to go, and, you know, and then Engine 98 came on the radio. They were thinking So now, that, did you guys have to, I, I always wondered this, when, you know, we have a police officer shot or injured fireman where they make a, it, when a police officer gets injured, they make the blue, they call it the blue highway. Right, right. And they just, they, they literally line the streets with police cars, close up the, how does that path get determined to the, ho- we, well, we the, decide the hospital, but right. I mean, I've been there where. That's more I, of a I police just, thing that they do, I think, that they just do that. And then we just follow the lead to get the guy yeah. to the hospital. And if it, we, it's, a, it's amazing how by the time you're done with, you know, to the point where it's time to go to the hospital, that highway is already set up. Right. The light, you right. know, you don't have, you just follow the lights. Right, exactly. And it takes you to that parking spot at that trauma center. Right, yeah, they, and they really, like, we're in the same building as the police. We're on the same floor, so there's obviously, it's one big um, operations center on the third floor where it's police and fire together, and at the, the night one center on Madison Street, and... Um, we just worked, you know, we, we worked with them, and obviously you know, we know when some, you know, something big is here because they're coming over, hey, we're doing this, okay, you know, have your ambulance go this way or they'll tell us what's going on, you know, like an active shooter, same thing. They call for the active shooter, and then we send a response there, and, you know, they... It's did their, you work any active shooter incidents? No, I did not. No. I, I was already... I, I, I used to do, go to a lot of drills. Yeah. They would have me go to a lot of drills and uh, to, you know, to... Work them and stuff, and who who was dispatching the the Mercy Hospital? Do you know, they did a great job. I I, I don't remember who was working, but um, we just made a tape of that um, to, for a training class uh, for this Illinois Air Rescue. We're going to talk about yeah. uh, in a few minutes, um, and they said it was a you know great tape. But they just did what they're supposed to do. They did a great job, you know. Yeah, and uh, it was just a a very it's it's a quick. It's quick decisions, you know. I think uh, the, the dispatch is quick decisions. You know, it's decision-making, it's quick decisions, you know. You have to make a, a quick decision and what you want to do. And, you know, and we, like I said, it's a team effort by all the people who are working, you know. Did you uh, did you ever get, and I know this happens just because, you know, I, I've gotten to hear it a couple times uh in my career, and it, it obviously it doesn't happen often, but you get anybody that gets really like, how do you handle like somebody on the radio who is like getting real pissy with you? You, you ever, just have you, to take control. Yeah, because I mean a, it happens, right? Like, sure, there may sure. be a difference of he might have if, a bad if, day. Yeah, or if, if is that my run, or why are you sending me to this, or right. I'm doing something like, right. how do you handle that? Because it, it, the best it, way is don't get an argument on the radio. Just say you know when you get to the hospital, give me a call. Yeah, you know, and then we just discuss it and I explain why. What, you know, I, I justified what I did. You know, um, like I said, you might have been having a bad day. You might have had, you might be on your 20th run or whatever. And, you, and, you know, and we get that. We understand that, you know. 
This episode also sponsored by Firehawk Coffee. Firehawkcoffee.com. Actually, I'm kind of peed off at these guys because they took one of the college nicknames that I gave you, which was Firehawk. <laughs> added coffee to the end. They're going to have to pay royalties to you and I for, for stealing sure. our name. Firehawkcoffee.com. Uh, 20 gourmet coffees. Uh, the single origin, the flavored blend. They even have these uh, sample packs so you can pick your own favorite coffee. Free shipping. And uh, one of Steve's favorite coffees, the breakfast blend. Yeah, I say he loved it. They also have a couple other of their top sellers. Another great college nickname, Italian Dark Roast. Uh, six Bean Dark Blend. There's, and, there's uh, your nickname right there. We thought, old, we thought that we, <laughs> <laughs> we... We know Bill's over there working really hard on making all these original roasts, so... Yeah, the, if, you're fire, if you're tired of drinking that swill that sometimes <laughs> wind up at the firehouse where, uh, you know, the cook, that's uh, all he could grab when he was at, you know, out shopping, then you really will appreciate Firehawk Coffee because there's nothing worse than going in, grabbing that pot, pouring it, you know, and it's dealer's choice. Yeah. You don't want to get your coffee from the same guy you get your rip-off DVDs from, okay? <laughs> so, yeah, remember, visit firehawkcoffee.com, and right now they've got free shipping anywhere in the U.S. You can also use promo code FIREHAWK10. That saves 10% when you spend $20 or more. And another promotion going on at Firehawk Coffee is buy three, get one free. So buy three, get one bag for free. So uh, Firehawk Coffee, check it out. Uh, it's It really is great coffee. And uh, um, like I said, they'll ship it right to you. So uh, firehawkcoffee.com. Thank you so much. I heard a story of an old chief who, uh, and like I, I thank God that I, I don't, remember any of the names or the circumstance but uh an old um you know long gone uh field chief i think he was a field officer back then um got into it with a dispatcher and he, he gets out of the phone and he's like i'm gonna come down there and knock you off your chair and no, uh, it was over the radio he did no it, it was over the radio yeah. oh so you know this story yes i was there <laughs> oh actually. were you really yeah i was there Oh, my God. He was there. And he actually went down there, right? No, he didn't come down. No, he didn't come no? down. He just went on the radio and, you know, made a comment. And uh, <laughs> the uh, ADCP, uh, you know, the WP paramedic heard it, and uh, he took care of it. Yeah. Yeah, he oh, took man. care of it. I, I had heard that story, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't. Like, it, you like, have to work together. You know, you have to work together as, you know, you have to help out the fire and the police, and we have to, you know, the ambulance and the fire we have to work as a team you know well you know and one thing from from my end of uh like an incident where i really need to work with you guys is if i'm pulling a plan mm -hmm. so uh for people who you know aren't familiar with uh chicago's ems system uh if you call for a an ems plan you you know a plan one or and above you're getting five ambulances you're you're in a situation where you're going to need a lot more resources. So you're getting five more ambulances, uh, an engine truck, another chief. And right. um, now you have to coordinate all that. Plus, you know, keep the alarm office up to date on what's going on Correct. and kind of keep you guys in the Correct. loop. So if things change or, you know, you know, give me another one. Well, know. there's five ambulances. 
and, a, and a, you know, a plan. And then, but what what some people don't realize is you you're on the scene. Let's say you have five victims, Correct. and you're on the scene. You're doing triage, and you call for five ambulances. They're sending you four ambulances. You're not going to get five no, more unless you ask for right, it. So, correct. Uh, you know, if make you sure three, you're doing your math right. right. If you have three ambulances, you ask for a plan. You're going to get two more for a total of five. And I always that that I messed me up it. one. That messed me up one time because that exact same happened. And it didn't even you know your your mind isn't thinking about that. You're oh, I need a plan. Five ambulances. Right. And if you already have three there, you're not getting. You're not going to get a total I would, of eight I, on the scene. Per, me personally, a lot of people, I'd say, yeah, you want to plan one. Okay, you're going to get two more for a total of five. This way, you hear that. Yeah. And then and say you know that would have been helpful on this particular one that right. I did. And and right. once I was like, you know, and I call back and I'm like, you know, who are my ambulances? And they're rattling off two more. I'm like, and. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, Wait, my... and then I d- it dawned on me I did the math wrong. Right. Right. You know? Exactly. So you can get five, and then you can ask for two additional up to seven, and then you're supposed to. Then you, you know, got to upgrade. Pull, pull a plan two, and yeah. then five more, then two, and then you know, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. So on uh, and so forth. So, what give? What are some of the big changes since you started? I mean, outside of technology, like what are some of the big changes? In, you know, from the time that you left to the time that you know you walked in the door thirty-five years ago. No, we had an amplified sit. We were we were at a, uh, a CAD center behind the community behind the uh, academy, and you would just push a button. It would send the tones out in the firehouse, and that was about a year. It lasted, and we went back to the old office as man Inglewood. So eighty five to eighty probably eighty six, and then eighty six to ninety six, uh, we were at the old you know the old, and then ninety six we went to the on Madison Street to the Office of Emergency Management Communication, the OMC. And then, uh, and we, now, like now, you have like literally a big board, and it shows you like with lights where people are, right? Correct, right, correct. And so when you talk about, yeah, I gotta do, you know, I gotta send this guy. It, you good? Yeah, good. Okay, um, you know, you want to, you didn't, you didn't, you couldn't get that mental picture of where people were, and you know. How'd you keep track of everybody? Well, we have, it's a board. It's, it's a, light, a board with lights. And when you put yourself out of service or a special duty, it's, it's, it, it goes red. That means you're on something. You're either in a, a fire or an ambulance call or you're, you're out or you're out of service, you know. And then we have a uh, board on a kid. But, that was, that, but that's now, but what about back oh, in we the just, day? We just write paper. Just had it on a piece yeah, of it was, paper. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it was all tabs. So it was, it was white for a still, a fire. And then it was green when the ambulance assist program came into it. We'd have a green tab for the ambulance assist, and then pink would be out of service or you know, and then the special duty would be a white, and you had to put a certain you know, different codes like forty one was, was special duty. So you know, and then we could we could tap it on the key so everybody could hear us citywide. So you tap out the you you would send out this you know the still on the key, and you could hear it out throughout the firehouses, you know. You didn't have to, like, learn any of that Morse code, did you? Or you just kind of, it was all number system. No, we had more, we had to learn Morse code, too. Did you cause, really? Because we do, we, we, uh, we also do electrical work, a little bit of electrical work. Um, I didn't really do much because I, I never, you know, I, they, the Steve supervisors who did that, and I was a dispatcher, but they would do, what, what happens if they would have repairmen on the street be fixing the boxes and stuff, we still do. 
So you have to, you have to learn a, bit, a little bit Morse code. Yeah, we, we do know we have to know Morse code. So you had to be an EMT. You had to learn Morse code. Right. <laughs> what else did you have we're to do? EM, now we're EMDs, emergency medical dispatchers. That's a certification now. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it became a certification as an EMD. So that's just uh, basically a you know, dispatch job and, you know, just a, your EMD. So you're an EMT, EMD, CPR and certified, uh, CPR certified. Um, and then you had a little, little the Morse code and, you know. Okay. And, you know, like it was, you know, you get, and then if you, like I said, you, you'd get a lot of calls for a fire, even a car fire. You know, you might get, you might get one call for a building completely involved and you might get 30 calls for a car fire, you know. Well, that's, that's how, when I first came on, the guys who were telling me, you can tell if it's a legit shooting or a legit fire, you look on the screen and you can see how many people have called or, you know. Right, exactly, that, that list. sure. If sure. it's just one or something, right. it's probably nonsense. But when you look on that screen and you see five, ten but lists. But if we would, the, get, we would get calls, you know, numerous yeah. calls for fires, and then, of course, we would, we'd, you know, escalate to the next alarm all before they even did, before they even got there, you know? Yeah. Uh, while we got you here, why don't you, you know, in your retirement, um, you've kind of moved on to a new new position, right? Yeah, uh, correct. You're back, you're back at your old building. Yeah, I'm back at the UMC, <laughs> second floor. And they kind of, uh, uh, they brought you in for a, a, a new lease on life, uh, a, a new avenue to go down with this. Uh, kind of run us down what you're doing right now. You know, uh, Illinois Heart Rescue, uh, Terry Campbell is a university, uh, she's a flight nurse, and I work with uh, Dr. Eddie Marco from Masonic, and there was a bunch of us. It's just a company, nonprofit organization, and we they do CPR, bystander CPR over the state of Illinois. You know, uh, so we have people all over the place, and what I what they what I do is I listen that, to that's what. That's their big push the is biggest, to get CPR. They want to they want to increase the survival rate, uh, and they want to get people you know get CPR on board you know quick as possible. And so what they what they did is I went to uh, you know talk to a couple of doctors, and um, next thing we know, we're, we're, so we listen to calls. We listen. I listen to nine one calls uh, at the nine one center. Your calls that you guys go, go on. Uh, be it anything with cardiac arrest or anything they're doing CPR, we're trying to build a program to do uh, to we, we're doing 100% call review of your of the call. So I'm just doing dispatch numbers. If they want CPR, cares wants uh, CPR on board in less than in a minute. You know, and could it be done? A minute from the time that you guys get the from phone the time, call. From the time you get the call till the first compression. Okay. So it's 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 a, it's a lot, but you know what? If you take control of the call, and you ask if they're un- if they're conscious or if they're conscious, if they're breathing, if they're breathing normally. So if they're not breathing normally, we're starting CPR. So that's okay. the new thing that they change is just ask if they're if they're asking breathing. No, they're asking if they're breathing normally. And anybody can join throughout the state. Uh, I can give you some information. Yeah, of, well, of an email. We'll we'll give that out uh, right. at the end. At so the that end, people, right. yeah. So. Um, so I've listened to 1,300 calls already since I've been doing this, and what I do is I put the one the ones that are cardiac arrest in times, and uh, our times are right at about two minutes, 225 of getting CPR on board. So we're out of about, the 1,300 that you listed, how many wound up being like legit? 
cardiac arrest? Probably, let's say 400. Okay. Four or five hundred. Because you know, I, I asked that number because I get sent on a lot of right cardiac you know arrests or you know unconscious not breathing and right. it winds up you know what is it most of the time? It's an overdose. Right, right? overdose. Yeah. Or it could uh, be you know a seizure or something. They yeah. think they said yeah. you know. I mean, out by me, it's ninety nine point nine percent overdose. Correct. Right. Um, right. But you know, you you guys are you know. If it comes, what's your criteria for you to start looking at this? That it gets entered in the CARES system? Right. Okay. And so, then that's when they're like, all right, Tommy, go, go check this one out. Right. I work with Beth Cialino, who's a, a retired paramedic, and I work with Chris, or Matrizelko, who's a retired paramedic. They work, you know, so we work hand in hand with Masonic County, um, UFC. So we're, it's a it's a big team. It's a big team. It's a great. And this is just all a push to get right. bystanders CPR, team. right? Or so anybody CPR, right? So there's no more uh, mouth to mouth. You know, yeah. no, no more mouth to mouth. And we were two percent in Chicago for the survival rate. We're at about nine or ten percent. So we've quadrupled or doubled or tripled the survival rate and the and the and the compare. You know, the the bystander CPR. You know, thirty five percent more people are doing CPR right now. And we're trying to keep increasing the numbers. And, you know, um, this morning I had a meeting. Rosemont just joined uh, uh, CARES. You know, they just joined CARES. And what they do is they put their, all their cardiac arrest into a, into a computer, and then we, you know, go through them. And, you know, like I said, the doctors look at them, and then I do my dispatch part, and then I make a spreadsheet, and then we're building a training program for the dispatchers, for the call takers, to get CPR on board in a minute, and we're like I said, we're about two minutes, two twenty-five of getting the first compression down right now. So we're we're getting there. So when you you've listened to you know thirteen hundred calls, what's the biggest resistance you're getting from the general public? On because I see it all the time that uh, caller refused. Right, they or, don't want. Yeah, they don't want know. to do CPR. You know, yeah. they just they're just calling. Uh, um, our call takers are. Excellent. They do a great job. So there's got to be some salesmanship on your end of it sure. to be like, hey, you know, I need you to do compressions on right. this guy or he's going to die. Right. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Sure. So, you know, and that, you know, you, you're trying to get, you know, within 60 seconds, you're trying to get your first compression. So right. you got the explanation of what's going on. Right. Now you got the salesmanship. Right. You're already behind, you know, by the time that you but talk. But you, what you do is, you know, get on the call, take control of it you know, take control of the call. Then you ask the questions, is he conscious? Is he breathing normally? No. Then start CPR. I don't forget about the blood pressure, the diabetes, any, you know. Yeah. Health history, that's your guys' department. You guys figure that out, you know. Sure, if, if he's breathing, then find out, and you're trying to figure, figure out what's going on, that he's sick, then figure out what's going on. Does he have high blood pressure? Is he have like if he's having a stroke or something, and, he's, and he is conscious and alert, then you're kind of asking questions. What but, do you tell somebody if, the you know, it, is he breathing? And, uh, you know, let's say it's middle of December and, you know, is he breathing? And, I, and you, they come back with, I don't, I can't tell. You, you know what? Just get go, on, just do it. No, you just get him on, the, you try to get him on the floor or get him on a hard surface and you do a, a you know, maybe a chest rub and see if we, or try, you know, just to get his attention. If he's not, I would say start CPR right away. So this is all part of the algorithm for these like people who initiate this phone call on these, you know, right. And people are, people are being they're, they're People are really being more uh, assertive and, and 
getting involved more, you know, that they want to do CPR, you know. And mostly it's a family member, you know. It, it's, it's, they say, you know, 95% it happens in a home or somebody up to a loved one, correct? And for a cardiac arrest, but, I mean, uh, like I said, you get your shootings, your stabbings, your overdose. If it's just one person with an overdose, yeah, we're going to do CPR. The shootings, they're really excited, but, again, taking control of the call is part of the, the job, and uh, our call takers do great. Our dispatchers are great. Supervisors, you know, it's, it's a good organization. I mean, we're helping them, you know. And so with the, the organization, what are you trying to just get awareness out there, or are you trying to promote other departments into using this system? No, of just, initiating? Get, just get the awareness out there. Okay. Just get, it's, it, we were, it's bystander CPR. To get all okay. the fire departments involved, we can about bystander CPR, and then we're doing 100% call review. And, you know, do uh, is that standard protocol for other departments to get them to initiate bystander CPR? Because f- from all the literature that I've read, that bystander CPR is the biggest significant change in um, the person's outcome. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So if if you did more uh, bystander CPR you know, ultimately, theoretically, you'd be saving more lives. Right. A quick story. Sunday, uh, a friend of mine called me. There was a cardiac arrest out south in Chicago Ridge, and they did, and they, a woman collapsed out in the, in the uh, out Chicago Ridge. There was, she was watching her granddaughter's softball game, and uh, the fireman was a coach. The coach of the softball team was a fireman, and there was another fireman there, and when she went down, they started uh, – Bystander CPR right away. The ambulance got there within a couple minutes. They uh, shocked her two or three times and, and got her. They had a ROSC, which is called a ROSC, breathing. The person was breathing again. Right, a return of spontaneous circulation. Yes, correct, a ROSC. So that's um, what they got. And then he right to the cath lab and, you know, I got what she's doing pretty good. And you know, so the bystander CPR was extremely important. I was working for a medical company, uh, my son and myself, uh, I told you a few words, we were working a race, uh, and somebody went down. We got there, and there was, of, of course, there was two people doing CPR, and myself and another paramedic out there that, that was working at Soldier Field, and um, we started, we shocked him two times or three times, and uh, by the time he got to the hospital, he was, uh, you know, talking alive. and wanting to go home. <laughs> alive. Yeah. I worked for Event Medical uh, Solutions. It was just right. a, I remember, yeah. like I just right. saw you, uh, you know, before this whole COVID thing, you, right. me, and your son, we were in the trenches. Right, exactly. We battled out that day, didn't we? Yeah, Matt Skipper is the uh, CEO of the company, and he's got a great company that, you know, but that's... There was, a, there was a point in time during that whole... Uh, uh, Lollapalooza that you, me, and your son were just pulling bodies out of it. You yeah. know, they where they start. So in the big, uh, you know, general area with all the, the audience members, when they start, like, body surfing and yeah. when they make their way Correct, up front, right. they, you know, it's up to you guys. Well, and, the security guards are, are helpful, too. They well, pull. they Well, they when they really start going, there's yeah. not enough security guys right. to pull it. We so jump in, right? We jumped we jump in. in. And I, I saw you guys doing it. I'm like, oh, man, I can't sit here doing nothing. So I jumped in, and we must have pulled out 100 people out of that. Oh, for sure. Easy. At, at least 100 people yeah. just in the time. And then I had to go. 
And I felt bad because I'm like, uh, the bodies aren't stopping. <laughs> They're yeah, right. Still, <laughs> They're still going. The wave right? is still going. Oh no, they, they, you know, they, they. I mean, 120,000 people walked through the doors, walked through the gates at you know at a time, and yeah, you're and, like, hey, this is my son. Oh, here's another body. Yeah, right. Yeah, I just you know, this was this is his first. You know, I said. That was yeah. his first year? It was his first year, yeah. Oh, God bless so he said, welcome to EMS. This is, <laughs> this is what it's all about. You know, this is what it's all about. Yeah, I think it was a quick handshake, and then it was grab a body. Right, exactly. Grab a body. That we was at, fun. That we was at, fun. We were at Riot Fest also. Yeah. And Those are my two favorite events. Right, exactly. And now, because of COVID, it's all canceled. COVID sucks. It, it ruined does. everything. It did. COVID sucks, right? <laughs> we all say that COVID sucks, right? Yeah. It ruined everything because it's, everything's canceled, you know? Yeah. Uh, Tommy, tell people how they can get involved in this uh, program of yours. Give them, give them all the information. You know what? Illinois Heart Rescue is a, like I said, nonprofit organization. And you can email Terry Campbell. Uh, let me get her email up here. Tommy's looking in his phone right now. Yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, he's getting all the pertinent. He doesn't want to mess this up. I'm good. Yeah, I'm. You know what? I'm. I'm an expert at the phone. You can ask all my coworkers. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm watching you just attack this phone like it owes you money. I tried to I tried to get <laughs> yeah I tried to get a um, a Marshall I put in my house after I retired and they denied me of it. Uh, just to talk biggest to the, mistake the city ever did, Tommy. Just to that. talk to the firemen, you know. Just to talk <laughs> to the firemen. Um, let me see here. So are you, are you guys you guys you're not looking for funding or anything like that? No, you, you no, just no. want awareness. Just awareness. Uh, anybody, any fire department in the state of Illinois that wants to. Join Illinois Heart Rescue. We're we're willing to take them, and uh, you know it, it's it's a great organization. It really is. Um, so when you say that, that to join, like what are you like giving them information on how to initiate bystander CPR? Right. You're well, trying to educate people. Right. Correct. Okay. Right. So they're they're out there looking for organizations, churches, uh, different kind of neighborhoods to go out and uh, actually do hands. You know. Uh, basically teach CPR. Right, basically okay. teach CPR. Correct, uh, bystander CPR. Okay. Which is, you know, a, a lot different than first responder CPR. Um, and, you know, I, I don't teach bystander CPR, but I can imagine that you're just kind of telling them where to push and, you know, how fast to push. So here's her stuff. email. It's T, T as in Tom, L as in Larry, C as in Charlie, dot uh, I... L H R Illinois Heart Rescue at Outlook.com. So if you're interested in any fire department throughout the state of Illinois, uh, send her an email. Uh, like I said, Rosemont just joined, joined as of a, uh, a couple days ago. We, we do a, a great job. They have great doctors, great staff. We, and we, we do 100% call review of the cardiac arrest, and we give you a, a great feedback. Okay. So that's really uh, All right, about well, it. Any uh, any last words? Any advice of a thirty-five year veteran to some of these new oh. call takers, dispatchers? Just you know what? It's it's a it's a good job. It's a it, you just want to help people. You know you want to have you you have to win with a good attitude, and you want to help people, and you want to just you know like I said, you have to get control of the call and take control. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. People are screaming at you on the phone because their per, that person is not breathing, or their family member is not doing well or the house is on fire, you know. Or there might be a salty field chief that wants to come down and 
and fight you. Yeah, right? yeah, right. You might get a, <laughs> oh, we get a lot of we get a lot of salty so, calls. Yeah, we get a yeah. lot of salty calls. But is that is that one of your is, is that one of your more crazy calls of, like, are there any like actual in the office incidents that you know that may have trans, you know, may have made it from the field to the alarm office? Oh yeah, they really? always, they used to blame the office quite a bit, but then it just got it went away kind of. You know, we, yeah. you, you have to be. You know, people say don't be close with the field. It's good to be close with the field. I think it's good to be close with the field. Not too close, but <laughs> close enough where you can where well, you guys you can work together. You were close enough that, like, when we would talk to you on the radio, like, we would be like, "All right, Tommy." Yeah, I know or, that was yeah, know, that was that... a lot of first name basis on them. <laughs> and I appreciated it really. When I retired, I had a I had a great day. Um, it was June 29th of 2018. I had a great day. Um, a lot of people came down and saw me. A lot of people came. Show up at Firewater for what was for a drink. what was your first it, incident that you dispatched? What was it for? Do you remember? No, probably. Do no. you remember your very last call that you dispatched? I just gave a send off on the radio, and the last call I dispatched was a, you know probably a ambulance call or ambulance assist because like I said we. But you we, don't you don't remember when we started when I started thirty five years ago. We used to do five hundred ambulance calls a day in a twenty four hour period. Yeah. Now we're probably over three thousand a day. So it is, and we and we have eighty ambulances, and as we all say, is that enough? And probably never not. enough. Never enough. It's never. You could put a hundred ambulances well, in the I, city, I, and it. My just, philosophy is, I tell people, you could put a fire an ambulance in every firehouse in the state of Chicago, and it still wouldn't be enough. No, there's never going to be because they're, they're just going to start calling, keep calling. Yeah. But you have to get that. You know, that's why you could. You know, with the rapport of the field and everything else, you know, it helps to, you know. I, I, you know, my dad was a 44-year veteran. My brother had 38 years. My other brother had 25 years until he got hurt. And then my other brother, Bobby, I had 35 and then 34 and a half. And then my brother, Bobby, is about 23. So it's in, the, it's in the family. But my dad said, you know, keep your mouth shut and your nose clean. You'll, be, you'll, you'll go far in life, you know. <laughs> I think that's the standard Dad, advice for everybody. Right, exactly. Right? Just keep your mouth shut and your <laughs> nose clean, and you'll be fine. But well, I guarantee you, there's a medic out there who's like, I can't believe Tom didn't remember that I was his last run. Yeah, right. I'm sure. Dispatch. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, just tell him, hey, 35 years. That's a lot of runs. I yeah. can't. I can't remember them all. It's a lot of runs, exactly. Well, I know you got to get out of here. You got to get to your new job. Right. Yes. So uh, congratulations a, on your semi-retirement. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for everything. It's been uh, a pleasure. Really. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, it. Vince. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you uh, for making the time for us, man. So, uh, again, um, Tom Goretti, 35-year uh, veterans of the Office of Emergency Management. Thanks, Tommy. Thank you. Bye. This has been a Fire and Iron Media production. You have something to say, people want to listen. How is that, Daddy? The opinions and views are that of Chicago's bravest stories and their guests. They do not necessarily reflect the views of any municipal governments, fire protection districts, fire departments, EMS, or law enforcement organizations. <laughs>